The innovative or creative process can take many forms, and this week we are talking with someone who is at the centre of a number of artistic worlds. We have a fascinating guest with Richard Scobie, and I don't think that I have met such a multi-talented man previously, if Richard doesn't mind me saying so. Richard, in his career, has been a successful musician, composer, screenwriter, voiceover artist and teacher, among other things. We talk about Richard's career, firstly touring Europe with a rock band, and later on his career in Hollywood as a screenwriter. What I found really interesting was Richard's insights into the creative process of screenwriting and how he works to bring his ideas to life. We will also play out on with Richard's new single, there you go, which has just been released, and it's an energy-filled song you'll definitely enjoy. This is a lively and fun podcast, and I know you'll have as much fun with it as we did. Oh, one thing, spoiler alert, we have a good discussion about Breaking Bad, uh, revealing plot details if you haven't seen it. It's a tough competitive business to drive telecom sales. But now there is a new channel that is making all the difference for innovative companies. That's the Digital Sales Channel. At Netzer, we are the leading digital sales channel provider for telecoms companies. Our customers can testify to our ability to listen and implement solutions that work for them. If you are a mobile operator, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, We'd like to understand your business issues and work with you to drive your sales. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com and we can talk. Welcome to the podcast this week, and we have a really great guest this week. Um, we've just been talking and enjoying a, a bit of fun, but in an entirely different space than what we might call business innovation. So welcome. First of all, Richard Scobie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pat. Nice to, nice to be here. Thanks. And I was, we were trying to decide how to introduce you, so I'll make an attempt. So Richard is an artist in a bigger sense, but that includes a composer, screenwriter, voiceover artist, actor, and a lot of other stuff. So, yeah, really interesting stuff, Richard. And, but first of all, let's maybe roll back a bit. You're from Iceland originally. Yes, born and raised in Reykjavik, Iceland. My mother was Icelandic. My father was from uh, Hell's Kitchen in New York. Oh. And he uh, fought, fought in the Pacific arena during World War II. And after the war, as a young man, he just sort of... Uh, you know, Iceland wasn't even heard of. It was a, another galaxy, but he somehow found his way to Iceland and met my mom. And I think two weeks later, they were married. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, we made a special, myself and a couple of mates made a special trip to Iceland a few years ago. And we yeah. really enjoyed it. Fantastic country. But yeah. you, you've lived in the US, Ireland, now Denmark as well, and maybe other places for all I know. So mm-hmm. you've, you've traveled quite a bit. 
Traveled, yes, quite a bit. We, I, I, we left Iceland when I was 14 years old. We moved to South Carolina and then to Georgia, Maryland, New York, and then back to Iceland. And then <laughs> I lived in California for about 12 years. And then I lived in Mexico for a short while. Wow. And then back to Iceland and then uh, to Ireland for four and a half years, which was lovely. And uh, now I'm, I'm in Denmark. Wow, quite, quite, a, quite a journey. Yeah. yeah. So back in Iceland, I had a look at your bio. So you were in what uh, a, was, was a new, new romantics band called Rickshaw, right? Yes, we were. Uh, we were part of that, you know, with the with the shoulder pads and the eyeliner, <laughs> that sort of thing. You know, the the, the new romantic look. And, uh, you know, we did a few albums. Um, we did quite well. And we did a European tour. And I did uh, op- did an opening stint for... Um, Simply Red and Fine Uncannibals, Madness. Wow. Wow. So yeah, that we did pretty well. We recorded in <clears throat> we recorded in London uh, our first two LPs, and then well, it was an, first an EP and then an LP, and then we wound up in uh, Los Angeles recording our third album there. And yeah, so I had a, a quite a interesting time doing that, and that was a lot of fun. Very privileged. Yeah. Uh, but there's you've so you've done so much, Richard. Uh, I'm just amazed. So. Just go to your, t- I think it was mostly, you're still doing this, but your time in America, you were involved in um, the movie industry. Uh, you worked uh, with Disney, you worked with uh, a film from Michael J. Fox. You worked, it was a Nickelodeon with, for a children's program called Lazy Town. So mm-hmm. that's a wide scope of work. But Maybe just go to some of them. Obviously, um, say Disney, you, you appeared as a Viking chief in a cartoon, yeah? Uh, yes, I, w- I was, uh, well, I wound up in, um, in Hollywood and through a friend of a friend, I was asked to submit a song to a Ben Stiller movie called The Suburbans. And it was starring Ben Stiller, Jennifer Love Hewitt, Greg Bierko and a few others and Jerry Stiller, Ben Stiller's father. And um, they picked one of my songs, which became the lead song in the movie called Right By Your Side. And then uh, I was asked to do a cameo in the film, which I did, uh, a scene with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. That was sort of my first introduction t- uh, to that, you know, doing film or even being on a set and uh, reading the script. And reading the script, I sort of said, well, that very interesting. I enjoyed it. And I said, well, I think I could do that. And so I started accumulating, uh, you know, scripts that I thought were really interesting and well-written. And then I uh, read some really bad scripts and I was able to con- compare and contrast Mm-hmm. and see uh, the difference of what makes a great script, what makes a not-so-good script. And then I started writing my first screenplay, a co-writing with a friend of mine. And then, then from there, I started writing more scripts. And, uh, and um, that sort of drew me, right. oddly enough, that sort of drew me into starting to direct and produce as well. Um, mm-hmm. So I started directing music videos and then television commercials. And then... Um, directed some shorts. Uh, in fact, I di- directed one short in um, while I was living in Ireland. Okay. Uh, film called um, Dead Book, which is sort of, you know, uh, an online like Facebook, but everybody's on the, the, the you know, the deceased. People can go there <laughs> and reconnect with loved ones. Uh, that was a really interesting project. And, and while I was there, you know, I, I took my master's at, um, at the film school at IADT fantastic program the master's there for uh screenwriting 
and sort of, you know, I already knew screenwriting by then, but it was more sort of just to, you know, connect with people, which I did, uh, lovely faculty and, and instructors there. And you know, he had access to greats like um, Lenny Abramson and and, uh, oh. and uh, Jim Sheridan and Jordan. Yeah, them. And so that was a fantastic program, and I really got a lot out of that. And from that, you know, I made a lot of um, uh, uh, sort of contacts and then uh, started to option several of my scripts um, to various production companies and whatnot. And, but that's a very, you know, arduous road. Once you do that, that's, you know, you trying to get a film financed is like, you yeah. know, uh, trying to climb up, uh, you know, Kilimanjaro or something or, or yeah or it's the same mountain. as getting a company finance I can imagine yeah. it's uh, there's a lot of disappointment is it, like so many moving thing? parts different yeah, there's so many yeah. different moving parts and personalities yeah is it, we want to we were talking earlier and um I was fa I'm fascinated by the screenwriting process because on the one hand say if you're doing your own project you might be pretty well in charge of the whole creative process and other times you might have to work on someone else's project where there's a a plot, shall we say, and you'd have to work with other writers. How do you find that? Is how do you formulate, you know, a two hundred page script or wherever it is between a couple of people in different parts of the world on someone else's idea? Well, there there are different um, parts to that. Um, if you're working on your own script, and for for instance, like uh, I work on my scripts, I have an idea, and then I work on it, and I write it, and I rewrite it, and depending on who options it or who you start working with, everybody has different ideas of what they would like to see in the script. And it has to make sense, even if it's a, a potential investor. As far as I'm concerned, it has to make sense. It has to be real within the world that you've created, you know, not something just silly or gratuitous. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and I'm, I'm pretty straightforward when it comes to that. I, I mean, if there's something that I just don't see, I won't, you know, I'll, I'll stick to the, the integrity of the story and I'll just voice that. And they'll either take it on board or they won't. And so, but most of the times, you know, we find sort of a, a common ground and, you know, some very smart people out there and they bring fantastic ideas on board that I hadn't even thought about. And sort of, I love when that happens and you're able to integrate that and it just adds a whole new layer to the, the narrative that's being told. But when you're working with sort of on someone else's idea, that can be a, a bit tricky as well, because you're hired to, you know, you're gun for hire. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I have to believe in the project to begin with. I have to envision it and see that it, it it's some, I, I personally don't like to work on something that I don't believe in, you know, in other words, just for the money. I try not, I try to stay away from that because you know, people work hard for the money and they, they want to get the best out of whoever, whomever they hire. And so if I don't feel that I'm able to give a hundred percent, I won't, I'll step aside. But, you know, when you are dealing with different creative people, you know, there can be clashes. Sometimes it falls really, and it's a, a fantastic process, but I've been in sessions where, you know, you can, you can really start arguing about a word mm -hmm. and that's happened. You know, people don't like a word or someone else likes a certain word and you find a way somehow to, to overcome that. But that can be quite tricky when you're working on someone else's projects, only because, you know, you're also being hired to bring on board um, a different perspective and new ideas, but not everyone is necessarily looking for that. 
you know, they yeah. might say that, but when they see their, their creation starting to <laughs> uh, go in a different direction or be molded in a different way, they may not agree with that. So that, that's really fascinating, Richard. Um, the, you know, the, just so like I'm a probably typical t- consumer of TV. So like my two of my favorite series are um, Sopranos and Game of Thrones. Mm. And uh, first time I heard of Game of Thrones, I remember thinking that's absolutely ridiculous. Dragons and, and sandals, you know, forget it. I'm not going to watch that. Yeah, I was Dragons saying, I was as well. And I, I started watching. I just got sucked into the, the logic of that universe. I mean, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous, really, but there was a whole logic to it. And there, was a, there was a reality to it. But what really struck me was uh, the story arcs of the characters. Some of them declined. Some of them resurrected. Some of them saved themselves. Um, and sometimes something might happen in season two that suddenly becomes important in season four. I mean, how, how do you manage such a huge project with those ideas? And only ideas at the end of the day that are realized in film and, um, or video and um, words. Yeah, how, how is that done? That's amazing. Well, I, I mean, I've, I've never worked on anything so grandiose as, uh, you know, <laughs> A magic, uh, major projects of that of that caliber and scope. But I would imagine um, that you know what would you do is you do a step outline, and you know, I, like I I've, I developed a TV series on my own, and I had to write um, what was it? I think I had to write five one hour series out of a ten or twelve episode series, mm-hmm. and that's quite tricky because then you you know you do the step outline, and you have to sort of you, know, you look at the macro, what's the entire season about, right? So the first episode would be about introducing the characters and who's who and who does what, who's, who's the protagonist, who's the antagonist, um, you know, what are, the, what are they need, what obstacles do they need to overcome? And then you sort of, you start planting, you set that up in the first episode and maybe even the second and you start planting little seeds here and there that need to be resolved down the line. Mm-hmm. So you have to come back to them and, you use, you know, placement cards or whatever to remind you when you put them on a board and you remind, they remind you, oh, oh yeah, we need to address this point that which, which was in episode two or episode three, we have to address it in episode eight. Yeah. Um, but what, you know, well, these shows that have since Breaking Bad came on the scene, which was a, a really yeah. brilliant show about, you know, what starts out to be a very just sort of ordinary uh, man who's a teacher and is faced with a very grim sort of prospect. Um, you know, in the beginning, you start rooting for him because, you know, yeah. you know he's going into a, an enterprise, which is illegal. You root for him because it's done out of love and necessity. But as he as the as the narrative unfolds, he starts to get sucked into that world and he becomes a very sort of nasty guy. Yeah. The brilliance there is they were able to make you still root for him, even though yeah, he had become a, quite a despicable character. And the same thing holds for... Um, Game oh, sorry, of Thrones. Sorry, I, yeah, in some ways, I th- when I, I've watched that n- numerous times, I couldn't understand why I was still rooting for him. Um, right. that, I just hope there's no. I'll, I'll put a spoiler alert at the beginning of the show so people don't get upset. But uh, I think most people have seen it by now. But it is a decline into evil, isn't it? Yeah, and that's the thing. It, the brilliance and the writing and the execution of it is uh, they do it in such a way that you go on this journey with them. You're rooting for them, and then you start to understand you know, the, the different situations come up and, you know, what would I do in this situation? You know, um, would I react any differently? Would I have done any? So you sort of start taking on board 
the decision that the character makes. And as he starts to de descend into, as you said, evil or being a really despicable character, you're still rooting for him because uh, I think it's, I would assume it's human nature to you know that he isn't pure evil at his core. He's a nice guy. That's how we were introduced to him as being a nice person. And then this is where he's become. And we, mm. I, I guess we're hoping for him to climb out of that hole that he's, yeah, it, it, it has its own logic. Uh, mm -hmm. that, you know, you can see why he does bad things. The, yeah. uh, just on that, I mean, to me, honestly, I my only question is, so people have seen the show, um, Walt is the main guy, and he has a sidekick, shall we say, a partner called Jesse. Mm -hmm. I, after a while, I found, I, I, was, I wondered why that relationship maintained, because while Walt is driven, Jesse is, is wrought with the, uh, out and yeah, he's more human and he becomes more human but at the same time I, I wondered why that relationship kept going yeah well as the way I, I I mean it's been a while since I've seen the show but as I at the time when I was watching it I, I sort of saw like a almost a father-son relationship developing and and then they, the the juxtaposition they started to you know change they both went in like uh, walt became the the nasty and jess became more of a, he became the guy who had who still had some soul left mm -hmm. you know he wanted to do the right thing and you could see him being vulnerable and hating what he was doing mm -hmm. and so you know we were rooting for these guys because you know they were very human yeah is, 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 that, their core. is, is that what you think is the at the core of the good writing is it we relate to these characters. Absolutely. I think any good writing, and there are some, you know, a lot of these writers are absolutely geniuses. I mean, they're, they know the Greek tragedy and they know, you know, and that's where their skill comes from, from knowing the Greek tragedies. And, and, and so when people can relate to, uh, you know, someone that's so human and so, uh, so faulty, you know, so, that you know imperfect we can all understand that 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 the foibles of being human the things come along the way i mean you know we all have these dreams of who we want to be as children and then as we grow up you know we veer further and further away from that somehow because life throws you a bunch of curveballs and mm -hmm. so when these writers are able to make these characters so very human so someone that we can uh, relate to even see aspects of ourselves in these characters that makes it so much more real and believable and enjoyable. You know, if you right. write about something that has no, you're completely detached from, there's nothing to, to latch on to. Yeah, yeah, no, it's amazing. Can we just move to a little side from this? You're also a composer, which is another creative process, you know, obviously entirely different art form. Yeah. You know, is it, is that still the same Richard there? I know it is, you know what I mean? Is, is that, do you switch into a different part of your brain uh, how do you, you know, write a script and then another time write a song? Do you find that easy? Um, yes, to tell you the truth. I mean, the, 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 the actual work of writing a script can be quite tiring and tedious at times, but it can also be very um, rewarding and, and exciting at times because for me, for instance, I get sucked into the world I'm writing about. So let's say if I'm writing about a submarine, and there's a scene in the submarine and walking down the corridor or whatever, I'm in there, you know, mm -hmm. and if the phone rings, it sucks me right out of that. So uh, my imagination is such that I really uh, get involved in what I'm writing. At a time when I first started, I had uh, two computers 
and two desks in the same room. One was for music. <laughs> I wanted, wanted to take a break from that. I just switched over to the other you, desk. You, you're all right. A scene or two, you know, and my brain, I'm, my brain just functions that way. I'm always, it's just always has an idea. I'm always thinking of ideas. If I'm walking my dog or I'm, you know, yeah. you know, sitting, having a re, you know, reading a book or something, it, it, uh, an idea will spark and I'm, oh yeah, that would be a great idea for this scene and maybe change it up a little and whatever. The same thing with music, you know, the thing about music is we've been so inundated with, uh, you know, bombarded with so much music. Mm -hmm. When I was a boy in Iceland, there was only one radio station, which was yeah. the government run radio station. And, and they only had an hour uh, a week of, you know, popular songs. The rest was classical or chat shows or whatever. But now it's 24 seven and hundreds and hundreds of channels. And so, you know, when I do get an idea and stuff, you ha have to be, I have to sort of make sure that I haven't borrowed from anywhere else. Mm -hmm. but, you know, we're all influenced by someone. Sure. And so. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, I, I totally understand what you're saying, Richard, because uh, we had the same experience. And now there's, uh, Andre Previn, I heard say one time, uh, he's the famous composer and, and he said that we there's too much music around like it's there 24 7 everywhere yeah. you go every device and he says it's not he didn't feel it was as special as it used to be although i try and make it special in my life because yeah, I, yeah. I, I tend to agree with that because you know uh when there was you know when they when they had record co record companies it was a in a sense it was a necessary evil i mean they were the gatekeepers and mm -hmm. you know there was a filter filtering process uh that took place it was an event wasn't it yeah. yes and so and the same thing with movies i mean you know i i love movies and it used to be an event to go to a movie like a bond film or something or a little mm -hmm. big man or something like that and i'm aging myself now but you know it, it was an event to go to these big hollywood movies and now there's so i mean you can't even keep up with all the streaming um companies and all the uh, there's such a demand for content and i think when you have such uh, enormous uh uh, call for content I think you know not in all instances but in some instances the quality will go down because yeah, yeah. you need to meet a deadline and you have to just continue to keep grinding these shows out but at the same time there's still I mean there's still some brilliant um, uh, brilliant shows and, and movies being made but I think that there's just so way too much out there yeah, yeah. Who am I to say, you know, I'm not, I'm no one to say that, oh, this such and such shouldn't be doing music or such and such shouldn't be doing film. I mean, people, people like what they like and, you know, it gives them a more of a sort of a, uh, an advantage of what, what they want to watch. Yeah. There's something yeah. for everyone. Yeah. No, I, Frank, I saw Frank, you might, you may be aware of this. Frank Zappa was being interviewed one time. He said back in the day when there was sort of like a, an A&R man in the um, record company, he was a middle-aged guy who's out of touch with the kids. And mm -hmm. someone come in, you go, look, I don't know. Just throw it out there. See what they like. He says, but now, like, it's some slick marketing guy. He goes, oh, the kids won't like that. We got to produce yeah. it this way. We got to bring mm -hmm. more. This in. That's popular now. You know, his, I think Zappa's point was the happenstance of, I don't know, try it, was, was sort of more creative than, no, I know what people want, so I'm going to make sure that it fits into the, the marketing format. Right, right. Well, I think, I mean, I'm old school when it comes to this. I think that uh, the, the, the craft of songwriting, just like the craft of screenwriting, you, you shouldn't have uh, 
a minimum amount of knowledge and skill to do that. I mean, in, in other words, you should know the rules and the how to write a screenplay, the three-act structure and the the, uh, the plot points and the uh, inciting incidents or whatnot. And same thing, if you want to be in popular music, there is that sort of, you know, introverse chorus, introverse chorus, you know, sure. ABC, that sort of thing. And, and that you have sort of some kind of... Um, I mean, there's some people that will say, you know, the, the right way to do it is to be in a terrible band and work your way up, you know, <laughs> sort of the filtering process. There's a lot that. of that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, there are some very uh, talented uh, young kids out there doing fantastic stuff. It's not yeah. maybe my palette, but you can, t you can definitely tell there's t talent there. Right. Is yeah. it, so, Richard, we're just coming up to the end here. This Because I found, to be honest, I, I could have gone for, on for an hour with this, but um, what... You know, what, what, who would you name, just from your own experience, two or, two or three top composers in your mind? Musically, uh, if we're talking about popular music, I mean, of course, Paul McCartney, Elton John, you know, the greats, mm -hmm. a fantastic songwriter. George Michael was an incredible songwriter. Um, just, you know, men who, uh, you know, think of Paul McCartney. He, he's written hundreds and hundreds of songs that the world knows. I don't think there's any other composer that's, been that uh, prolific and has written so he's many still, hit songs. He's still doing it. Yeah, I yes. heard a song he did uh, released four or five weeks ago, and I was thinking that's that's quality music. Just even today. Yeah, I mean, we you know we're lucky to have lived in the time of our sort of Mozart's. And, yeah, and that's absolutely true. Absolutely, and that's I don't think that's hyper hyperbole at all. Yeah, that's no. Uh, because I think absolutely, and you know the the quickly fading, which is. Uh, and I wrote a screenplay about that as well called The Bonier Boys about an aging rocker. And that's the, the sort of the thing I'm working on currently. Okay. Just plugging, plugging that. Uh, no problem. <laughs> so how, how do people contact you, Richard? Well, just uh, my email or my Facebook account. The email is scobius at gmail.com. Um, S-C-O-B-I-O-U-S at gmail. And then through Facebook. And, and you, you, you have a screenwriting uh, course that people can, can um, go on. Yes, I have an online course um, uh, with Nordic Trailblazers and, um, you know, we have a few students now and that's really enjoyable because pe people, some, you know, a lot of people have great ideas. They just don't know how to, you know, put it into screen format or, or you know, three X structure and how to get started. And that's what I help them with and sort of guide them along with that. Great. It's a really no, enjoyable nice. process. Yeah, no, and I, I can hear your love of this um, art form um, in the whole conversation, which mm. I found fascinating. Uh, in the podcast, the guest gets to nominate the play out song, Richard, so I imagine it's quite a wide scope you could pick from. What would you like us to play out on? Well, I thought I'd be shameless, Pat, because <laughs> I, I have a new Please single. Please do. <laughs> yeah, I have a new single coming out next Thursday, June oh, 10th. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Called uh, Plastic Universe. Okay, and it's one of mine. So I thought, why not? You know, I'll be shameless and and plug. Why that. not? Yeah, absolutely. That's, <laughs> that's brilliant. No, and uh, we'll, we'll put a link for that on the show card, Richard. So listen, thanks. It's absolutely be brilliant. I could keep going on, but um, thank you, Pat. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. No, well.
Yeah.